Welcome to the Global Venturing Review Leadership Series, where we talk to thought leaders from all over the world to find out more about how they are changing the innovation ecosystem. Today, we have an audio version of a panel at our GCV Digital Forum 3.0 back in January. And today it features Paul Holland, the Managing Director and VC in Residence at Mac 49, who talks to Hicham Habdesamad, the Chairman of Hitachi America. And they're going to discuss blazing a new path through incubation, how Hitachi is leveraging incubations and developing an ecosystem to supercharge organic growth. Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning. Good evening, wherever you are around the world. We're excited about putting on the session that you're about to see. I'm very uh, honored to have Hisham Abdesamad, who's our uh, guest today. Hisham is the chairman of Hitachi America. And what we're going to do is something a little bit different for GCVI. We're going to focus on the I part of it today. We're going to focus on the innovation part, because what we're not going to talk about is a deep articulation of a global corporate venture group. We're actually going to talk about a really exciting set of innovation initiatives that are happening out of Hitachi. Uh, and these are groundbreaking and broad and deep, and, uh, and they're going to be a, a terrific learning opportunity. First, what I'm going to do is ask our friend Hisham to introduce himself, give us a bit of background and how it is he ended up in the role that he's in Hitachi, and then I'll carry forward with a number of questions. As a listener, what you should be listening for here is sort of a quick tutorial on how a very large company, a $90 billion revenue company, tackles organic innovation, organic growth, and begin to think about how that might relate to your organization and also how you might partner with a company like a Hitachi, who's very actively looking for other large companies to engage with. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Hisham. Uh, let's get the story started and uh, we'll take it from there. Great. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Uh, good to see you again. Um, Hisham Abdesamad, I'm the chairman of Hitachi America, and I also lead a uh, a new role as chief executive, what we call global social innovation business. I've been with Hitachi for 16 years. It's an interesting organization, uh, 110 years old. So there's a lot of culture and tradition around innovation. In fact, Hitachi started out as an in-house incubator, actually part of a mining company. And they created a, they wanted to build a, an electric motor to help with the, mi- the copper mining operation. So that's how Hitachi started with a, uh, five, a four kilowatt, 500 horsepower mining uh, motor or induction mining motor. So that's kind of how the company started. And fast forward 110 years later, 90 billion, we, we obviously very diversified. Uh, we're in energy, transportation, automotive, IT, financial services. So it's a, it's a wide range of uh, capabilities and, and, and businesses. But at the core of what we do, there's really two fundamental things. One is all about innovation to solve big problems in society. So Hitachi always had this mindset of how do we bring value? How do we solve problems? How do we make a difference in society, quality of life, the environment? And that's really core to our beliefs. And that's what really what social innovation um, is all about. Fantastic. So great. I want to hear uh, more about that. So First, uh, let's go to that topic. Uh, when we talk about social innovation, that, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Uh, let's get an articulation from you of what that means within this context. And then we're going to go right into the various innovation initiatives that you've got underway, which, are, which, as I mentioned, are quite substantial. Yeah, certainly. So social innovation for us, it's something we started about six years ago. And um, it is simply using innovation to solve some of the world's biggest problems. And by doing so, we can contribute to society. We can create value for the environment, for the economy, but also create value for the ecosystem that we're part of. We, we become very ecosystem friendly, customer centric, 
and very focused on problem solving. So that's really at, at a high level. Of course, there is some underlining goals and benefits, which is all about driving organic growth. You know, as you, as you know, when, when you get to, to be 80 or $90 billion, growth is very difficult. When you're a company that's very diversified, that's a good thing and a bad thing. Because when you're one business, you typically kind of drive growth organically. And, and if that industry does well, you sort of rise with the tides. But when you diversify, some businesses do very well and others don't. And we've seen that in this COVID year in the sense that it was actually helped us out from a balanced perspective. But organic growth is difficult. Uh, we also been doing M&A for quite some time. I mean, that's really been our strategy for growth and, and also really optimizing our bottom line, really focusing on operating income. So over the last 10 years, we haven't really had a whole lot of growth. Right. Uh, we've had, we've had, um, we've made acquisitions. We've divested a lot of businesses that are no longer core to what we do, or businesses are simply not making money. And we wanted to think about, all right, how do we drive growth organically and inorganically? And we've set aside some very aggressive growth targets for the next five years are organic. And, and quite frankly, the only way you could do that is you have to start thinking about being a, a unicorn inside a company. You have to start thinking about being entrepreneurial. And we immediately start thinking about, all right, we, we, have, we know what the left hand does. We know what the right hand does. So this is a Japanese kind of mindset. So the right hand is your core business. You got to focus on that, run the PNL, optimize, innovate within that. But you're going to incrementally grow in that. But then the left hand is the future. How do we create new business models? How do we focus on solving some different kinds of problems? And how do we create new ecosystems uh, where new businesses are born? So we're, we're, we're really taking the sort of the Silicon Valley entrepreneurial approach and trying to drive it inside a very large organization. Of course, there's a lot there. And that's why we turned to Mach 49 to help us out, because it's exactly what you do. Part of your, your incubation effort is to help us build an incubator. Our goal was not to build something and spin it off and take it public. Our goal was really to build new businesses that are going to be the next generation billion dollar businesses for Hitachi. Or also our goal is to fail very fast, to be very agile. So we wanted to make sure that we do this in the context of being entrepreneurial with some governance, being able to really being able to talk to the mothership a lot. So as you understand, there's a lot of tension. And um, when, when you're trying to build a new business and then you have core businesses who either want to take it over pretty early or don't really understand what you're doing. So there's like some internal challenges that you have to go through. And uh, we've leveraged Mach 49 quite a bit in this sort of what we call a, a disruptive Silicon Valley methodology inside a large organization to, to really propel some of these new businesses out. That's fantastic. I'm definitely going to come back to that in just a moment. But I, I really liked, uh, I really liked the kind of the right hand, left hand kind of approach. I like the, the simplicity of how Japanese companies try to describe very complex you know, things that need to get out to hundreds of thousands of employees. And I think they do a terrific job of it. I would think almost like a little bit of a different analogy. I grew up in the South, so everything's an analogy or a pattern of me. And it's almost like for you, you're coming into a, a, a big garden. And the garden is, is big, but it's a little overgrown. It doesn't necessarily have all the right plants in the right places. Definitely needs to see some pruning back of some of the things that are there to allow that garden to grow. And so in your case, You've got, obviously, a very active M&A function at Hitachi doing a lot of work, billion-dollar deals, billion-dollar-plus deals, things like that. But you're the organic gardener. You're the guy that's coming in and saying, okay, we've done some pruning. We've cut some things back, cut some things out that want to be there. Now we're here to get the growth going. We want to get these plants going, get new opportunities, things like that that are going to occur. So I love thinking about it that way because it's like it positions you as just the the man of growth within Hitachi, which is, I think, exactly what they want to be seen. 
On the Mach 49 side, um, you know, as you uh, touched on, Mach 49 really is, you know, is organized. We do what we call disrupting inside out, which is the work we're doing with Hitachi, helping to launch new ventures, help to build incubators. So we've done that with Intel and Stanley Black and Decker and Schneider and Pricewaterhouse and many over the years. And Hitachi is now our really kind of star uh, client that we're doing some some really great work with. Uh, and then we also have another practice we call disrupting outside in. And we spent a bunch of time on that with the GCV team on Monday talking about TDK Ventures, launching a new venture firm uh, over the last 18 months and so forth. But to that point, I love how you articulated this as you're building this Silicon Valley style methodology inside of Itachi. That's got to be disruptive. Like that's got to be, so that's, some, that's something that you're probably having to develop a little bit of sharp elbows and move some things out of the way to create this opportunity for growth. So tell me how you're doing it and tell me what the structures are like. So for our listeners who are thinking, hey, I want to be the Hisham in my organization, like let's start the tutorial. Like what, what step by step, like what has to happen? First, you have to establish a clear goal. What, what are you trying to accomplish, right? And for us, it was about driving growth. So at a very high level. The second part is it has to align to your core corporate strategy. Because otherwise, you're not going to get the corporate buy-in. So Hitachi is very um, big on doing things for the environment and society and quality of life and resiliency and things like that. So any type of new business you're creating has to sort of carry or inherit some of these attributes. The third thing is we need to go look for growth markets where we have capabilities. So it's not easy to go out and say, all right, I want to get into medicine now or want to go be a biotech company and we don't know much about it. I think it's going to be a big leap. So it, it has to be somewhat of an extension of the assets that you have. So whether it's, you know, when we talk about the environment, right, uh, electric vehicle, um, renewables, things like that come to mind. And we have a mobility business, we have an en- a very large energy business. So it's a very natural progression, but certainly in the digital space. But I can tell you, it's not easy, right? So the the first the other thing you have to do is you have to build a team. It has to be a small team, so you don't need a lot, right? A small team, you don't need a lot of money to get started because there is a fail fast. The, the methodology, it's a 16-week, I call it sprint. Mm-hmm. And, and you can fail, you need to fail a lot of ideas early. Um, you know, one of the things that Hitachi has has not done very well over the years, just because of who we are, we're we tend to innovate for technology, but not for business mm-hmm. or business models. And those are very different things. And it's really important to explain, you know, our R&D group is very powerful and we have a strong R&D team, but that's great. But are you building new business? Are you solving big problems? Are you solving them at scale? What's the ecosystem like? How are you going to make money? And those are things that you have to kind of go through this methodology and, and go through the process. So it's in a sense, you're trying to kill everything until you can't find a reason why you shouldn't kill it. Uh, the other thing that we do is besides building a small team. So what's in this team? Well, these are entrepreneurial type folks, but also who done startups or also work in large organizations. And it's a good mix of corporate type folks, but folks who are very entrepreneurial, that there are independent, fast thinkers uh, that can work sort of uh, are okay with failure, uh, but also are very result driven, right? So we're not here, you know, when I was talking to, to your folks, and we said, hey, when we, we don't have the sort of the, the bandwidth or the, the runway to go out for three. Here's some money. Go, for, go out for three years and find something and come back. We don't have that. We have, as remember, most of the people in your organizations are going to be very skeptical of what you're doing. Right. A lot of them are going to say, well, that's no different than my other team is trying to do in my own business unit. We do incubate things. So showing quick results along the way is very important. So one of the things that we wanted to do from day one is we don't build anything if there is no problem. So we validate the problem and make sure there's pain. 
We also have to make sure we have a customer from day one. So we don't really build products. We build minimally viable solutions and minimally viable products with a customer or two who who have a pain point so we could iterate with them. And then ideally also, we tend to go out to the ecosystem. Right. Meaning we don't have everything, right? We don't have the ads. So we have a lot of gaps and we would partner with either lar- like-minded organizations that are very large that have the same sort of goal and aligned around the same sort of targets, or even smaller organizations who can fill up some sort of white space in our technology or our capability. And, and, and you have to show wins along the way. You got to show some revenue. You, you have to. And then, so if you do it for two customers and it works then you, then you go to the next stage, all right, let's incubate this for, or accelerate it, and we kind of take it to eight or 10 customers. Another thing that we are, are very bullish, or not bullish, but stubborn about is we wanted to build a subscription-based model. And I look at our $90 billion revenue in Hitachi, and maybe some companies are different, but we don't have much subscription in our business. Right. Very difficult to build that in product-out organizations. So we have product revenue. We have a lot of systems integration revenue, obviously financial services revenue. We have maintenance revenue because we sell, you know, elevators and escalators and storage systems and so forth. But we don't have as as a service model anywhere. So one of the things that we wanted to do is is really focus on digital and focus on digital solutions or subscription in in nature. Um, So some a lot of these customers that sign up, let's say, to do EV as a service or predictive maintenance or things like that. When if let's talk about fleet, for example, are are signing up because they're going to pay a monthly fee per service. And we're going to do that in the cloud. And that's really how we want to build the model. And then at the end, if it, if it works, if, you, if the business model checks out again, because it may work for one or two customers, it doesn't work for 10 and you don't make any money. And then if you don't, you scratch it. And we've done that. And then if, so if, if you pass all these tests, then you start thinking about, all right, how, we have something here. What do we need to do to make this um, $100 million business, $200 million? Do we need to go make an acquisition to right. give us some sort of market access? Do we need to uh, maybe bring a business unit in that could take it over? And I can tell you the other thing, some of the challenges we also have is that when we have a little bit of success, all of a sudden the naysayers want to jump on a bandwagon early. And that's also a problem because they may disrupt the flow of what you're trying to do because you haven't really baked it yet, right? So these are some of the things that, that you go through. But I, the, the best thing about this is that you don't need hundreds of millions of dollars. You need a small team, uh, a small budget. To get started, you just need to have you need to be intentional and disciplined about this methodology that we follow. Fail fast, prove the model, get customers early, get buy-in early, and and as you have some success, you'll start to get the support from the organization uh, to do more and more. And that's kind of how we've uh, how we've done it. Fantastic! That was like that yeah, was that was a terrific articulation of the whole process and some of the things you guys have been doing. You know, the fail fast methodology has been a really important part of Mach 49 since the beginning. Mach 49 was born out of the Silicon Valley. You know, we have a unique combination of people with venture capital experience. I'm, you know, coming into my 20th year with foundation capital uh, and then also product leaders, uh, strategy leaders, people like that. So it's a unique combination. The methodology that Hisham's referred to several times is going to be featured in a book from Harvard Press next year, Disrupting Inside Out by our founder and CEO, uh, Lindy Yates. But the fail fast portion of it cannot be uh, underestimated because, you know, if you look at the statistics, typically newly incubated concepts in large companies, the failure rate is astronomical. I mean, it's just extraordinary. And even the incubator failure rates are extraordinary. So when Mach 49 built their methodology, it was designed around more of the Silicon Valley venture model of let's winnow out the worst ideas early on the least amount of capital. 
And then as we say at Foundation, we want to have our most money in our most successful companies, right? So, you know, Netflix actually was obviously our most successful company. But at one point, you know, we put $30 million in. Well, we started our fund before I got there. The fund, the, the entire fund was $75 million. So that's an example of like really backing your winners and, and kind of making them successful. And I think you guys are doing that well. So we've only got a few minutes left. Let's focus the, the remainder of our time on partnerships and, and what it is you all are looking for. Give us some specific examples of like the ideal that you're looking for from the listeners people they may know that says, hey, you know, Hitachi's really out there, very aggressive in the market, doing all this work around incubation and innovation. They're looking for people to do what? Well, partnerships are, are key here because we believe, it, believe in an ecosystem economy. And we also believe that every company has got uh, assets and capabilities. They don't have all the answers. So let me just give you an example. So what we look for is large organizations who are like-minded. Like-minded means they're trying, they, they know what their right hand does and they want to build the left hand. And they're trying to build a new business model that solves a problem that could be either entirely new or, or, or an evolution of something. So a good example would be we partnered with, uh, with a company called Swiss Re. It's a very large insurer in the world, one of the largest in the world. They know how to do insurance around floods and, and life and health and car and all of that. But they're like, we want to get into this digital world, uh, this IoT space, but we don't know what to do. And so we started to kind of brainstorm around is there a market for maybe business outcome insurance or AI-based insurance? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we're all bullish on AI, but we all know that if you depend on it too much, it, it, you know, if there's a failure in the, in, in the language or in the machine learning, you may have a challenge, right? You, you may, your, your operation may be disrupted, your, whatever it is that you're trying to automate. So we've, we went and partnered. So obviously we're not trying to sell each other anything at all. We're trying to build a new business, but we had a customer that saw value in that says, Hey, yeah, I'm, I make uh, die casting machines. I'm using an AI system to help me with the manufacturing. Um, I'm relying too much on it. I'd love to see if I could have some sort of insurance that allows me to hedge against any types of failures. Of course, technology companies don't really, I'm not in the insurance business. That's not what we do. So if you think about it, we've provided a a digital solution that automates some of the manufacturing process. It's very comprehensive. Uh, Swiss Re is offering what they call parametric AI insurance that insures the model to make sure that it's, and, and, then, and then the customer pays a monthly fee for the, the entire digital solutions which includes the insurance premium. In this case, we have three organizations that are working together to build something new. Uh, we've started out with 40 machines, now they expanded 200 machines, and we have other customers that are lined up for that. So just an example of how we can partner with, it doesn't have to be in the same industry as long as you're trying to solve a problem and create something new. So fantastic, great ending point, because we have 30 seconds left to, 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 to wrap. and. Um... You know, I think for any of you that are out there listening, if you're if you're intrigued by this story, how a large company like this is so committed to organic growth, please reach out to us either at uh, paul at mock49.com or reach out through GCVI. We can get you connected up with Hisham and then we will uh, help you guys out and help you think about where to go forward. So thanks very much for the time today, Hisham. That was terrific. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Global Venturing Review was produced by In-Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.